You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. And welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 376, we're discussing the Loki finale, the Marvels, Kang, and Deadpool 3. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Ian. Ian, my friend, we're going to take a deep dive into the MCU. There is a lot to talk about, and you and I did not get to talk about the Marvels, although I did do a review with our boy Zeddy a couple of weeks ago. We didn't get to talk about no. that, nor did you or I get to talk about Loki Season 2, the finale. I'm calling it the finale because I don't think we're getting a Season 3. This is very, very exciting, man. So we're going to jump straight into it. But before we get into any of that, how have you been, my man? Yeah, thanks, man. It's, uh, it's been quite a while. And yeah, it's just just because of scheduling and the ridiculous invention of daylight savings it made it a little difficult last time so uh so yeah man like even the the a couple of weeks ago i was just getting really excited to talk about the these two uh projects you know marvels and and loki and and how they panned out um so yeah it'd be really fun to to dive into those a little bit especially loki and yeah other than that like life's life's been good man like no big changes christmas is coming trying to calm down on uh the spending which has not been happening. I've been, yeah, just been flooded with all these kind of cool toys that I've been trying to resist to <laughs> resist buying and failed miserably. Um, but then that, yeah, man, like life's good. Christmas is coming. The holiday season is probably one of my favorite times of year, going from basically American Thanksgiving right through to January second. Everyone is just a little bit happier. The decorations, the small nerd flare decorations that I put around the house, the general atmosphere. It gives me the warm and fuzzies inside. The same way that the MCU gives me the warm and fuzzies inside. And that's why we're talking <laughs> about it today. So let's jump into it. Let's jump over to Loki Season 2. And before we get into it, I want to encourage anyone who hasn't actually watched this show, because I think there's a lot of people that haven't watched it, to go over and do that. You are missing out. It's going to be one of those shows that people look back on with great fondness and maybe wish they were part of the hype as it was releasing. This is probably one of the best, if not the best, MCU show. And all around, the best all-encompassing story arc, maybe in the MCU, and one of the best, if not the best, character arcs in the mcu it is a transformational season both figuratively and narratively so let's let's just talk about loki let's get into it i want to give you first crack ian let's go loki season two the finale yeah like i mean we've talked about this before and you know like i really loved those those first episodes i had a bit of a a bit of a dip with with um Victor Timely and, and you know I think after we we recorded that and the, the episode that came after that it kind of really redeemed itself and and uh, actually made that that character meaningful and yeah by the end of this season like for me it is the best season of any MCU show um, and for me actually this is this is what I would call kind of peak MCU you know a lot of people are kind of down on the MCU at the moment and especially with like the movies and stuff and Man, like you said, I strongly recommend people actually give this show some time and and really kind of delve into it and and um, understand like how you know well made it is, how beautifully shot it is, and how well developed this character of Loki is. Um, there's so much that you can kind of take away from this in terms of like its uh, callbacks to the the previous movies and and you know the journey that Loki's been on and and where he's come from. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that people don't notice. Like even for me, like I've watched videos on YouTube where they've kind of broke down and they've kind of referenced stuff from past movies and stuff. And it's like, wow, wow, wow. Like these writers are insane. Like they clearly have, you know, done their homework. They've clearly, they're clearly fans of the the character and the show. And they've really put their their kind of time and effort and their love into to this, this um, season of Loki. 
And yeah, like, you know, Loki now is is one of my favorite characters. Man, I'm wearing a TVA t-shirt. Like I, I bought a TVA hoodie hoodie the other day. Um because you know the journey that he's been on, you know, the it's very rare to have you know a superhero movie or even any kind of movie franchise where they have that much time uh, to develop a character and, and and show such an incredible arc. And yeah, like how this wrapped up as well, you know, I think some of the things that they achieved in the show, especially with the kind of time travel and, um, you know, how the stories, the story related back to the first season and how everything was so well connected. I think that, you know, they you have to give these writers a lot of credit because it's it's such an achievement that they've they've accomplished here. You know, I don't know how they edited those last two episodes of the season because it was it's crazy. You know, just how it all pieced together and how things are happening at different times and you know the reactions of different characters and the actors and everything comes together perfectly. And man, that finale, man, like I, I was, man, I was in tears when he's walking up the steps and the music, it's just so powerful. And it kind of took me back to the, the penultimate episode of the first season um, when they're kind of running across that, the, the void and that big, you know, the, what's his name? Aelith or monolith or that big smoke creatures coming down. And I just remember just like how my heart was pounding and how emotional it was. And season two, up the game man like he even stepped up from that and it, it created this really powerful scene um where it concluded well kind of concluded the the journey that this character has been on and man what a journey it's been it's it's absolutely fantastic yeah i think i have to go back to the the point that you made regarding the writing of this show and specifically the glorious purpose episode or with glorious purpose, whatever it's called the final episode there where yeah. it ties back to probably two of his bigger films in Avengers one and his original appearance in Thor. And they, they bring that character full circle with the writing inside of this, where he's in that spot as a villain and he wants this specific thing that he gets the God Loki status but by the time he's in season two, he's come at it from a different angle, but getting the same result. And it's that God tier Loki. And so it's interesting seeing a character evolve so much that their overall objective hasn't changed, but the approach to it has. And that is how he ascends into that. The selflessness of it is why he ascends instead of the selfishness of it, why he was unable to accomplish that through his early villain and then that slow transition into anti-hero. I think it's a beautiful arc. Oh man, it's and it's it's a bittersweet one as well. Because like, you know, he's gone through this where you have him in his early days, he's chasing the a throne. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, he once, as you said, this God status and he's chasing his throne. And actually in this season, he comes to the realization that he doesn't want a throne. Mm -hmm. And he actually says it. I don't want a throne. He just wants friends. Yeah. You know, he wants to be part of a family again. Like he had a family and he lost it and he, he kind of threw it away. And he actually just wants people like he wants to be part of um, of a family and he finds his family. And in the end, he has to give up the family yes. for a throne. Mm -hmm. That he that he didn't really want, but in the end, like he's just so like selfless that like he just doesn't he doesn't care about anything else except for protecting these people, and he he'll live for eternity alone mm -hmm. to do that. And I think that's absolutely you know incredible writing. Like you know who would have thought of of something like that. And like all the different callbacks, like to different movies, like mm -hmm. the the things that he says. I watched a video the other day where they've in, they're interviewing Hiddleston, and he improvised. He came up with that um, final thing that he says when he says, "Like I can do it. I, I know what I have to do. I, I want to do it for for you. I need to do it for all of us, or something mm -hmm. like that." Um, and this is from the original Thor movie where he sh shouts this to Odin. Yeah. When he's falling, when he's and about to let go of the... the when he's about to let yeah. go, yeah. And back then, like, he was doing it in a way that he was doing it for himself. Yeah. And here, he's doing it for everybody else except himself. Mm -hmm. And that's great. Like, that journey he's been through. 
like the the tree that he makes That's so is... cool like the, it's like a representation too of like the what is it idrisel the the tree yeah idrisel yeah the the in like norse mythology and it's like that was actually taught to him by odin mm -hmm. like because he teaches it to thor tells him about odin teaching us this and it kind of makes you realize that you know odin also treat him like loki as a son like he obviously yeah. told him this story too um and the fact that he's using his experiences with his family and his love for his family and his father actually you know leads to this this creation at the end this creation of something better um i think is also like man like how well done is that just to pick up on all these small little things through his past journey and bring it together in such a, a poetic conclusions mm. it's yeah really, yeah none, really cool. none of its forces it's all organic here and i think that's what's going to make this show upon reflection one of those cult classics if you will if i can use that term where people are going to discover this they're going to come back to this and reflect and say wow like this is very impressive if you were to go step through some of those those early movies of of loki and look at what they've integrated into this it's you're gonna you're gonna just gonna be blown away by what this show does and how about his ascension to the throne talk to me about that experience that emotional experience you're having as he's transforming into god loki as he's called he's literally ascending into this piece the music the visuals all of it just brilliant yeah i man like i, I that was the first first thing i did was just rewind that and just watch it again man like that ascension was was something special and the music again like the music in the show is some of the best we ever seen you know the music right at the end where actually they actually bring in the the loki theme but they add that drum beat man like that song i've just had on spotify yes. on repeat like it's like every time i hear it i just get emotional but yeah he's ascent like that ascension of him walking up the 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 steps you know at the time first watching it i guess it was kind of a little I'm like, what is going on here? You like, have no clue. But it was just, yeah. But it was just so powerful. You didn't really care. Um, and then afterwards, like when you you think about it, like again, like so much of that is is just really interesting. This idea of him, you know, he breaks the loom and all these universes are, are dead, and then he kind of breathes life into them mm -hmm. and, and creates something, something better. And like where that goes from from now uh, uh, on is is kind of interesting too because you know i was looking at the tree and i was just wondering like where this is where it gets to like a little confusing like how time works now in this newly mm -hmm. created <laughs> multiverse you know are the end of the branches because he's part he's in the center of the trunk and he's the kind of the um the control you know he's he's the guy who who is kind of like a loom um, and keeps everything alive and keeps everything flowing. But at the same time, he keeps the multiverses alive. Like, they're not pruning any of these these ex uh, extra um, multiverses. But the branches is, is what's what's going to be really interesting now and how that, that goes forward um, in, in the future. Like, are those branches purple for a reason? You know, are do these branches have ends? You know... Yeah, it... It's the time thing, and we've talked about this, and I've gone in circles and probably confused people more on this podcast trying to decipher what the multiverse is, what time is inside of the MCU. But my takeaway was from that is he's kind of controlling, he's acting as now the loom, if you will, to a degree mm -hmm. where he's controlling the flow of time and allowing all of the the branches that are be creating or that raw energy to be funneled up and the existence of the multiverse and so there's no longer any of that pruning but the tva seems to be acting almost as a watchful eye for kangs now and so there's almost some collaboration between like god tier loki and the multiverse and instead of pruning to keep kang away the tva is monitoring all the kangs and all the multiverses that's kind of how i took that does is that the way you took it as well yeah i mean they, there is that scene where they do um refer to the the quantum mania kang yes um but it, it's yeah it's, it's kind of interesting because we know we're going to get you know kang dynasty and we are going to get secret wars um and but is, you know, but is kang at this point i i saw them 
this was kind of an interesting approach to it. Mm-hmm. They they almost were able to put Kang aside for now. Like if they decided in the future that they weren't going to run with Kang, yeah, they could do that now. I think because of this show, if they wanted to pivot to say to Doom, still do Secret Wars, Kang Dynasty, they'd have to change the name of it to something different. But I I, I don't know what they're going to do with that character. Recast him potentially. But I would say, based off this show, there was a comment from someone online that said, like, basically Marvel's F. Someone had seen the Loki season finale oh, yeah, and said, that, like, yeah. they're they're F now. What are they going to do with Kang? And I thought it was just a very clever way of saying we could pull him back off the shelf or we could maybe even leave him there if we want. We don't necessarily have to proceed with Kang Dynasty. If you wanted to pivot to a Doctor Doom that has the same net effects of what Kang is doing or maybe being a puppet master of sorts, I don't know. You could you could get away with it with clever writing, I think. And I think the TVA saying, yeah, we just essentially are pruning Kangs or keeping an eye on them and making sure they're not conscious of what's going on inside of the multiverse or that it exists, and therefore we're good. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people calling for for them to, to kind of get rid of the, the Kang um, storyline. And I really do hope they go forward with it, to be honest. I... I you know, we do. We are going to get a Secret Wars in in Quantum Mania. You know, a lot, a lot of people didn't love that movie, but there are that there is the scene with all the different Kangs, and yeah. they're looking out. That that's that's the screw, scene that screwed them almost more than anything. Like if they were to pivot, they now have this like giant stadium full of Kangs. Like th- that has to be addressed. Yeah, but in that stadium, like they're you know they're looking out into space, and the space is is different now. It's like the purple mm-hmm. branches of a tree, and I think that was done on purpose you know okay. i i do think we we are gonna still you know i don't think loki being at the center of the thing the whether he's the god of stories or what he is like i don't think he necessarily is going to stop the the war happening because mm-hmm. this is something that um uh sylvie says you know you know we should be given the choice to fight and i think it's just the case of him he's gonna be there Mm-hmm. controlling things but i think it's just now he's given his the people he loves the chance to to be alive yeah. uh, and to continue and for the possibility of we what we'll see is this how we can change the outcome mm-hmm. of you know secret wars um where it's not going to come back to to a kang it's going to have a different outcome this time mm-hmm. but i do think we're gonna definitely see those and i think there's a reason why the branches were that purpley color i think the kind of green part where loki is represents you know the the start of time and the the control mm-hmm. and the purple part where all the branches are just like sh- sh- shooting out is the kind of kang dynasty this is where you know everything becomes um destruction and out of control and the branches have ends you know yeah. and i think that's what we'll see going forward with with these other movies and i i really hope they just they just do them man like i i, I think I, I I would say that I'm more confident now in the multiverse saga after Loki than I have been for, for years. Like it, because it hasn't had a continuous through line, like some of the other stuff, it's been a bit more patchworky. It hasn't necessarily iterated too, too much of multiverse of madness, no way home, even Loki season one, none of it seemed to really tie together a whole bunch. And then you've got quantum mania that kind of inserts itself a little bit into this. But now after Loki, I'm feeling quite excited about like you i want them to push forward with with this and if that requires a recasting of kang i i think there's a good story to tell here still with the right writers and with michael waldron now coming on to kang dynasty jeff loveness who wrote quantum mania has, has moved on and they're bringing in the showrunner from loki season one someone that has a connection already to this character and this arc that they built inside of loki he is now penning both of kang dynasty and Avengers Secret Wars, which means that likely those movies will be a bit closer tied together and we may not have an issue of going from The Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker or Force Awakens to The Last Jedi where you have two different writers tackling this in very different ways and different approaches and trying to meld those. Like you look at Infinity War and Endgame, same writers, same directors, that felt like a through line. That's what we think. I think that's what we want or what we should want from Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars is a a continuum of a story, a building of a story. Because I feel like Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are going to have a very similar pattern where Avengers lose in one, Avengers are successful in the next. And 
So there's a lot of potential there. So where does Loki go from here? Is this the last time we're going to see Loki? What are, what are your thoughts on this? Never say never. Yeah, I don't know. I've been watching his interviews, man, because I just love Hiddleston. Mm. Like, I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks at Comic-Con. Awesome. And, man, like, I love that guy, man. Like, he's just he's just so likable and he's, he's so British. Um, and, yeah, man, I really do hope we see him again. Like, in interviews, when they ask him, he's kind of the same... He says the same kind of thing as mm-hmm. you, like, never say never. Um, and I'd like to see him come back. You know, I think if he doesn't, where his story ended was was great. He has been given so much time and attention, has been given probably the best character arc mm-hmm. in, in the MCU. Um, but I can, I don't know, I can see him coming back. And it's interesting that we do, we are having Mo- Michael Waldron uh, the creator of Loki now taking over with with um, Kang Dynasty, and I think that's could be a a good sign that maybe he will want to bring his character um, his character over. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, like like you said, you know, with the right writers, I think we can have something really special. I think that's something that we've we've been shown with Loki, and I think that's you know the the kind of criticism that's come from a lot of the movies. In the past, you know, people are criticizing a lot of the, the latest MCU stuff. And I don't think the problem is really with the characters. I think it's more to do with the, the writers um, and, you know, the, the directors. It's the creators that are behind the scenes that that are, that we need to change. And I think that's what's going to happen. So I do, I do think that these guys have some ideas. And if you ask me, I think we will see Loki... Maybe not in Kang Dynasty, but maybe in Secret Wars mm. or uh, at a much later stage. It'd be nice to see him come back. Yeah, I'd th- be nice to see him reunited with his with his friends. And I think that would be a very big moment for anybody who is a Loki fan. Just imagine them years later coming back together. You know, it'd be such a, a beautiful, beautiful moment for for that character. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want them just to to use him for the sake of it and and ruin what we've we've been given before yeah it's gonna be hard to to pull him back in because you want that shock and awe moment i i feel like a red skull appearance in infinity war is what you could get out of loki like a very brief guiding moment with thor or someone into the multiverse someone using that capacity but i don't think using loki as a main character is the right call he like you said he's got such a great arc you you want to be very careful with that and how you use him next but i think as a a guiding light for a moment in avengers secret wars would be very very appropriate someone to get the heroes just past that like you know he's meant to be living a life of solitude he's sacrificed that but that one extra hand to pull them up I think that would be very fitting for Loki and I think a, a great way to add to his arc without damaging the work that they've done over the last two seasons of Loki. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. But I guess it's it's kind of all up in the air at the moment. Like we don't really we don't even know who's who's making these movies. You know, there's rumors of of Sam Raimi coming in. Yeah. Um I know Waldron worked with him with uh, Multiverse of Madness, yeah. so there's there's a chance that. I think a lot of people would probably be quite happy with that. I'm not a big Raimi guy to be honest. I, uh, I, I've never I, really loved these movies too much. They're, I mean, Multiverse of Madness is all right. Um, he has a style and he has a... He, he kind of has an area where he exists and it's kind of always been more on the horror side. Now, mind you, he did Spider-Man and those were very, very different movies. Multiverse of Madness seemed to fit given the Scarlet Witch approach that they took and you could see his fingerprints on some of that. But there's lots of time here. Like These movies don't come out till May 1st, 2026 and May 7th, 2027. So I'm going to be into my early 40s by the time these movies come out, like well into my early 40s by the time these movies come out, which is uh, both scary and uh, and disappointing <laughs> that we have to wait so long to potentially see some of this stuff come to fruition. And that's without any further delays, because like you said, there's a lot of musical chairs happening right now inside of Marvel Studios and big changes even at Disney. So we've seen like the likes of the, the Shang-Chi director, Destin Daniel Cretton, dropped out of, I think he was directing Kang Dynasty. He's now shifting to focus more on, on Shang-Chi 2 and Wonder Man, mm-hmm. the TV series. And so there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but it's it's looking, I think it's appropriate to have 
a consistent writer and director or director pair. I'd love to see the guys that were directing Loki. They did three or four uh, episodes. Mohead and Benson, man, yes. please, yes. please. Yeah, they did episodes one and two and I think five and six in Loki. Yeah, like you can tell when there's a certain certain creators making these episodes like though their touch came through on all of those episodes yeah. like you could really see that like, the cinema photography just changed mm-hmm. like the level was insane like just certain scenes like for example when loki is having that conversation with kang which is what well, such a great moment in, in in the show you know the way that they use the camera like there's a lot of handheld mm-hmm. and there's a lot of movement so you actually feel like you're there um and there are scenes like where it's looking over kang's shoulder so it's you know kang's observing uh, observing loki going through all of these different stages and watching these fights and he's seen it so many times before and you're watching it with him mm-hmm. which is great and then you see scenes where like sylvie's coming towards um a loki and you know, it's from his perspective, and it, again, it's kind of handheld, and you 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 feel like you're Loki, and you're watching this repeated thing with Sylvie's attacking him every time over and over again. Um, and these two creators are just really great at kind of setting scenes. Uh, you know, they're they're wide angle shots that keep panning around, and you never take you out. There's never any mm. cuts. You know, it really makes you feel like you're taking part in in this story yeah. and i really really hope that they they continue that, that with... that's my top pick is the two of them because like everything what you said and I, I like the idea of a pair of directors coming in with strengths and then even weaknesses that are compensated by a pairing that's why i love the russos on all those movies because I, I just felt those movies are such a huge undertaking that having multiple people with different strengths coming into them only benefits the film. Yeah, and I think with these two, I think one of them is like a more director side and yeah. one's more of a cinematographer. Yeah, right. um, and I think that's great. Like when they're friends and they work together and they understand each other and they mm-hmm. can bounce off each other and they know how each other thinks you can really tell that it it comes together better. Like, you know, there's not those creative differences and there's not that conflict. And I think that's, that again is something that you do see with, you know, a lot of these movies where you do see a certain direction from one director. You probably have like the executives, Mm -hmm. you know, giving their opinions on what they want and you can kind of see them trying to like mix everything together. And it kind of ends up with this kind of hodgepodge of, of ideas. Um, but I think when you give the director and the cinematographer and the writer, you know, the freedom to, to actually work together and, and make something that's that's great, you really do see this, this shine through with, like we saw with, with Loki. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant, man. Now let's, let's stay with this MCU thread and jump over to the Marvels. Now this was the last Marvel film dropping in 2023. And next year we only get one MCU movie. The first time we're getting that in a very long time outside of the pandemic of course now i did a review with our good friend zeddy from the vigilante 1939 a couple weeks ago on the marvel so i've already jumped and dove deep dove into this movie but you know i want to hear your thoughts on this and then we'll jump into a little bit of discussion about the box office on this one because it's uh some people may say it was called or whatever but to me it's still a bit of a head scratcher and i think it's ultimately something that people are going to discover on disney plus and be like wow this is actually quite a fun and enjoyable movie but do you hold that same opinion what was your thoughts on the marvels well first of all i haven't heard your review which is is interesting spotify has not been notifying me about (laughs) The Nerd Room podcast. This guy, this guy <laughs> he unsubscribed from his own podcast. <laughs> Misses one episode. I just hate listening to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just hate Ziddy. I just can't stand the guy. <laughs> That's a joke, everybody. That's a joke. <laughs> that is a joke. Everybody knows I love Ziddy. Um, yeah, I'll I'll, have, I'll listen to that as soon as as we wrap up here. But uh, for me, Marvels was was really as you said, it was really fun. Like. I wasn't expecting much from it. I actually quite enjoyed Captain Marvel, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of people I'm did. I'm the same boat, man. Um, and I went into this kind of just expecting a, a, an okay movie. And there was not a single moment in the movie where I was disappointed or I felt like, 
you know, I, I wanted to leave the cinema. Like, the, you know, I actually had a really good time with it. Now, the movie I felt was not perfect. Mm-hmm. I do think um, it was a bit, I for me, it felt a bit rushed. Like, it's too short. It's too short. I think there, there could have been a movie between Captain Marvel and, and this one where it kind of, kind of, tells us some of these other stories um i do felt like you know a lot of people are saying it's a bit choppy and i did feel that in the sense that we're kind of in this place then in this place and then we're in that place and then we go to that place and it was like every place there was not really much development like i never got to feel for the people living on this planet you know Mm -hmm. i never got to worry about what was going on here i never got to care about what um uh, Danvers did with that with the AI and stuff. So I felt like there were some scenes where I think they've spent a bit more time uh, developing that and just give us a little bit more, just a, just a little bit. It would have hit me emotionally a little more. Um, but overall, like there were scenes in this that I purely enjoyed, mm-hmm. man. Like the part where they're on the ship and they're practicing using their powers mm-hmm. together is like one of the most fun scenes i think in the mcu like i love that yeah. and it's partly because like the chemistry between these three was brilliant like you know you have three really great um actors and really likable having a fun time together and you could just tell that they were friends and you know they t- that you could tell they were having fun and i just love that concept of having like you know this Fan, this superhero fan, super fan, meeting yeah. her superhero. It'd be like if you met Captain Marvel or Brie Larson yeah, in yeah. her life. And she's just like <laughs> freaking out and she's just having a good time and she's just enjoying it. And then you have Monica Rambeau who has this kind of broken relationship with um, Carol Danvers and, you know, trying trying to fix that and, and, and understanding why they they got separated uh i think that was that was also really well you know well done and and, and nicely developed and yeah like the, again like um what's the name Velani iman Velani? yeah is, is he so iman Velani? outstanding <laughs> like even when i saw in the trailer and she just gives that little smile to fury and she's like hey i'm like oh man i, I love her so much but in this in this movie man like when they're in the musical place and she's dancing and yeah. she's waving her hands in the air, I was in stitches, man. I'm like, it's so funny. It was just so good. Her comedic timing is like impeccable through all of this. It is, right? Yeah. And and again, like also with, um, what's her name? Uh, what's the actress's name? Uh, Danvers. Carol Danvers. Brie Larson, man. Brie Larson. Brie Larson. Why don't I remember that? <laughs> Brie Larson, like Brie Larson, you know, people were asking for a more likable kind of Brie Larson. They said that, you know, in the first movie, she was a kind of a little wooden and she she didn't really show much emotion. And I thought she was, again, she was really, really likable in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did get to see her, you know, having fun and smiling and enjoying. And we did get to see her emotional side and her sad side. Um, so I also thought that was that was really good. So, you know, overall, I, I felt like... It, it was, a, again, a, an enjoyable mo- uh, movie. Now, I wouldn't put it in my top MCU movies, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because, as I said, the pacing was a little weird. It didn't really have that much of an impact on anything. It didn't really serve that much purpose. The villain, I think, is possibly the worst villain I've seen in the MCU. Like, I can't think of a villain that just didn't really... Uh, it was it was like it was like you were in the room with Zeddy and I last week or two weeks ago when we recorded because it's, it's a very very similar uh, discussion right. that we had. It's interesting that you've come up with very like that was the weak point for us as well was the villain and and it really felt like it's only an hour and forty five minutes long and it felt like the yeah. majority of the cutting was done around the villain like it was just like she's here punch her go away do do some marvel stuff but even even her delivery and stuff mm-hmm. like when she's like standing on the pedestal and she's talking to her people and it's like she's putting her arms up but one arm's higher than the other like she just got she, it's just like she couldn't be bothered and then in the fight scenes it was like she hadn't had any fight training whatsoever oh, so she just fight. couldn't fight yeah. she just looked awkward i don't know if it's because she'd hit she's hiddleston's like she's got some link to Hiddleston. I don't know if whether I mean she's she's apparently a really great actress. I haven't seen. I don't mm. think I've seen her in anything else. Um, and I don't. I don't doubt that that she she's great. But yeah, I think they definitely didn't utilize her 
her acting skills in in this movie. And it was it was kind of the funny thing for me was in the movie, just before the movie, a couple of days before, I'd seen a South Park episode called Into the Pandaverse, I think. And like, have you seen that? No. It's hilarious, man. And it's basically like there's this pandaverse where they kind of pander to all these kind of like, you know, these woke ideas. And like in every single movie, every <laughs> every person, every person's a female, a people, a person of color and uh, gay. So. And it's it's a great episode because it makes fun of what these studios are, are trying to do. They're trying to like, you know, make everybody happy. But like by the end of it as well, it kind of twists it in the way that like it makes you question like, why do you care? Like it doesn't matter if they make your favorite character female now. You know, it doesn't matter if you're you're this this superhero is gay. Like why why do you care? And it's great because Cartman in that in that episode, like you know, he starts to realize like why am I complaining about this all the time? It doesn't make it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. you know, diversity is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really, they really do a good job with that episode. But when I was watching this movie, that's all I was thinking was they've basically taken Ronan yeah. and they've made, made him weaker and they've made him female. You know, they've given him the same hammer, but it doesn't have the infinity stone in it. And like the motivation isn't there. Like it, not it the was same weird to of... not pivot. Like you said, without a movie in between, it was weird to go right back to, Cree and that villain because we we just had all that and Captain Marvel has been blasting through the universe for like five or six years and there's not another villain that she's run up against that they could have tossed in you know what I, like I agree with you that it was it was weird with it was almost like they had a Captain Marvel 2 and then they cut a lot of that and squeezed in the other Marvels and built another movie. It was almost like they smashed two movies together, and like yeah. Saying... Well, I thought that was, there was. I felt like there should have been. There could have been a whole other movie yeah. where we did actually get to see this villain on her planet and see what you know Carol Danvers does. Mm-hmm. You know what Captain Marvel does, and how, why? Why? Why did she destroy this this AI? And that was all really kind of confusing because like she destroys this this artificial intelligence. That was in the Captain Marvel. Yeah, but we didn't. Go, I mean, like we didn't get to see the well, the repercussions the, of it, and like yeah. the repercussions of it. So, like that's what was confusing for me. Like the why did nature dis- dis- why did the sea disappear and why did the sun die? Like well, they said, there was like a civil war, and then they drained all the resources because they were fighting. And yeah, it's I agree. It's it's the hardest part of the movie. And like you said, they they could have spent fifteen minutes on developing of a like a, of a movie. They could have taken like. 10% of this movie and actually built that up because it, it, it was also meant to be a sticking point for Captain Marvel. Like all the reference to her being the annihilator and all that, that it just all that whole piece of it just doesn't flow with the rest of the movie. Like it just doesn't work. And I think that's probably going to be the common issue or the, the underlying thread where people kind of scratch their heads and say like, there was, there's so much more. There's another story there that, was just cut from the film, in my opinion. Like, mm. and and that's that's uh, that's probably the hardest part about it is getting over that. And I don't know if that's like the reason we're seeing. It's not the reason, but Captain Marvel or the Marvels has had the weakest MCU performance at the box office. Like, it's at to this date, it's made seventy seven million dollars. It's going to be the first MCU film to not cross a hundred million dollars at the domestic box office. It's going to crawl to around $200 million at the global box office, which puts it as like, you know, we're going to use this term, quote unquote, a flop to a degree. Like it's, you know, when we talked about that relative to its anticipation level, the branding behind it, it it underperformed even relative to the Flash, which was, I think, a bigger, in my opinion, now this might be biased, but I think it was, that's a bigger flop because of what that movie was meant to be and who was in it and what it was framed around. But we're seeing a real downward trend right now, and that's likely why there's going to be this overall pivot for the MCU. And I think, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, I think we're starting to see that pivot at the end of the Marvels with not only the Young Avengers, but also 
spoiler alert for the Marvels, the appearance of an X-Men beast voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Like I, I didn't get this spoiled for me going into the theater. Like I was jaw on the floor. Like I said, mm-hmm. this is one of the biggest reveals or post credit scenes in the last decade. Like I was completely surprised by this. And I think it's, it's a bit of a, an awakening. I think to all this, that the X-Men might be coming a little earlier than we thought. Mm, yeah. I don't know, man. I think for me, cause I did get spoiled. Um, YouTube, always spoils it for me these mm-hmm. days like i never get spoiled on any social media i go onto youtube someone's thumbnail unrecommended is a picture of beasts yeah. you know like it's it's a basically a, someone's taking it with their smartphone somehow um but for me like it, it i don't a lot of people were really kind of going on about this and saying how, how amazing it was and i i, I don't know i like, loved it by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm one of those yeah. guys but like we've already seen Xavier, yeah, and so I, we already I, I pointed that out when we did, the and Marvel we already movie. know that Wolverine's coming in Deadpool. Like, to me, when I saw that scene, I knew it was coming, and then when I saw it, because the C- CGI was so bad, it's not great. It's bad, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't know why like, though. Like, why? Why is it not? Because I good. think it was rushed. You think so? Because the rumors are that it was it was very last minute and it was a very different uh, end credit scene than what we actually got. And I I kind of thought that is this is this them trying to get people? Is you know they're using these end credit scenes to get a more little viewers? Bit, I think. I think. You know, it's like if there's word gets out that there's an X Man in. in, in one of the X-Men in, in the end credit scene, more people are going to go and watch this movie because X-Men sells. And it, it didn't really work for them. Um, but I think now with the stuff, just because we've seen so many variants and we've seen so many multiverses, I don't think it matters. Like you could have Beast in the end and then never see him ever again. And it wouldn't make any difference. I think it points towards Kang Dynasty are probably more likely Secret Wars. Like that that version of the X-Men because the reason I say the pivot towards the X-Men, and I don't mean kind of like the MCU version, like a fresh restart X-Men. I mean like the Fox X-Men, like the one that 10 years ago, everyone was like, get these guys out of here. And now everyone's like, please give me. And I'm kind of, I'm not one of those people. I'm, I'm here for it all day, but with Deadpool being the only release coming in 2024 and, th- and that probably being the most anticipated MCU film in for years, I would say, and you've got Hugh Jackman coming back, Ryan Reynolds finally entering the MCU. It's likely going to be some form of a multiversal movie, would be my guess. That they're they're traveling through the multiverse in some capacity and are going to rub shoulders with a bunch of the MCU characters to just properly integrate that character, specifically Deadpool, into the MCU proper prior to Secret Wars. But a movie coming out in 2024 and the X-Men maybe not making another appearance in 20. That's a long time. That's three years in between all this. And so I just think that version of the X-Men is going to maybe, maybe it's some variant version, but I think that version of the X-Men is going to have a role to play over the next three years from Deadpool to maybe something else that hasn't been announced kind of weaving its way in and out of post-credit scenes. Cause they're starting to build to secret wars where they're going to have, I think literally everybody, is going to be in this, including the original Avengers. Yeah, I think they have to be a little careful. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about like the post-credit scenes being the most important part of these movies these days. Like, you know, I, I do want to see a little bit more building within the movies, mm-hmm. and I would like to see them bring in the X Men. I mean, they could bring them in at fan- with Fantastic Four somehow. There might be some kind of reference to them there. But they built um, they built but- the Infinity Saga, like Thanos, and that whole thing kind of off of throwaway lines and they did but i mean you got to see snippets of thanos but the whole theme of each of those movies were infinity stones so they kind of like so i like i i get what you're saying i i do i honestly do 100 percent believe that that's where they're going with especially with secret wars Mm -hmm. you know secret wars is where they're gonna just pick and choose grab people from everywhere yeah can you do this can you do this and everybody who says yes toby mcguire like tom holland like all of them chris evans robert i i i will guarantee that they all are involved in that in some capacity yeah but i think that's the the 
the, the part that's a little bit funny with it is just with the Infinity Saga, the movies that led up to it were kind of really loved and the characters loved. And I just feel with this one is you're going to have this kind of stint of movies that are kind of meh for a lot of people. A lot of people don't care or are not going to watch. And then you have this big movie. And is it going to have the same impact? Because we haven't had that I think you look at something. You look at No Way Home and that's, that's the proof. That's all they need yeah, as like that's, executives that's and as creatives. Like if it's, it may not have the same sort of maybe love and passion that the Infinity Saga did have into it with character, like actor commitments and executive commitments and Feige and all this. I'm not saying that these guys don't and these actors and actresses don't, but th- there was something special about that. But like when you look at No Way Home to me, like you threw those three guys and that was like out of the pandemic, that was like a near $2 billion movie. Like it's it was absurdly successful, and a lot of that was driven on nostalgia. And the second weekend, and the third weekend, the fourth, like that was all huge because they kept so tight who was coming back for all that. But there's whispers of it. Like that was an unbelievably successful movie, and a lot of that is, I think, personally attributed to the fact there's three Spider Man from three different generations inside of it. Now you say you're gonna have the twenty years later, you're gonna have the original Avengers coming back. You're gonna have Deadpool and Hugh Jackman there like Jackman's gonna be like 55 years old when that movie comes out like yeah well I think that's why they're bringing him in now with Deadpool mm-hmm. because I would have liked them to have saved him for Secret Wars because that he's the biggest he's the big one yeah. like he's the one that you know, people want to see because he's just gone through so many generations of people he's everybody's Wolverine whereas like a lot of other characters yeah, true. you know have, have have kind of been and gone um, I think the once it gets to kind of Secret Wars stage, like the the Avengers are going to be the key ones, of course, like Downey and and Evans, mm-hmm. because you know most of the younger generations now who watch these movies, they're that's their superheroes that they they kind of grew up with, yeah. and there were things that come before that the people you know the X Men that we we grew up with and so on, maybe aren't that aren't going to be as popular because a lot of people there's a lot of younger generations who don't necessarily know who those people are who. Or have watched those movies, but yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I think that's a good point. Bringing up No Way Home, I think will definitely. That's uh, I would say that's proof. what's driving a lot of this, like Xavier and John Krasinski, and like all these like weird multiversal appearances. Like, I think a lot of it is just well, nostalgia is big for these particular characters. Let's let's get them in, and is it always right for the story? Was it right to bring back Kelsey Grammer as the Beast and not introduce a, like the MCU X Men Beast or what will be the future of it? I don't know. Like maybe, maybe not. Like a lot of this is hinging on nostalgia for that that X Men, and I don't I don't think that has the same sort of legs that a reintroduction of the X Men would have. Like not having a new Wolverine, like that doesn't have a fifteen year window to make Wolverine movies and it having Hugh Jackman come back as the Wolverine. And so it's a lot of in the moment stuff. It's hitting on the nostalgia because this guy has been playing Wolverine for almost 30 years. Like he made his first appearance in the mm. year 2000. If he's in Secret Wars, 27 years later, like you were a young, like a That's teenager insane. when, like yeah. I was talking about Zeddy with this a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, how old were you when like Iron Man came? Like he was in grade school. Like, don't say that man makes makes me feel old yeah we're 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 getting old but like these characters have been around for 15 some of them 20 Insane. 25 years by the time some of these movies are coming out and so that cycle of nostalgia is a 20 to 25 year window and by the mm-hmm. time we get to this like that's that's pushing downey evans all these characters into that nostalgia window where people that were children when these movies came out are now people in their early 30s like it's gonna be crazy <laughs> all of that and the great thing as well the on the other side of things like the good the great thing with the variant stuff is that they could actually if they can't get someone say if they can't get downey to come back they could put tom cruise in mm-hmm. a nine-man suit and everyone will go crazy for that yeah. as well like you can play on the nostalgia but you can also give us variations mm-hmm. you could have a timothy chalamet wolverine if you wanted yeah. to and you know it'd be people bring people in just grab an actor put him in a in a famous well, the hype around the illuminati suit. for multiverse of madness drove that that movie was a huge movie as well but what the movie i enjoyed the movie and but the illuminati scene it was like who's who's who are those other three seats that was the discussion and so 
rightly or wrongly, the MCU drives the discussions around the the unknowns and the known quantities, the characters that are driving the movie and building up the MCU. Like that's that's all known to people. People come in expecting a certain thing or shocked by one thing or another, but the unknown is what has always driven the interest in the MCU. That you know, that water cooler talk wasn't about how great the fight scene was at the end of No Way Home. It was like, oh my God, Toby and and Andrew Garfield are in this. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. that's the stuff that's talking, and I think that's what MCU right now is is taking a pause on and trying to say, like, what are we trying to do here? Like, is it nostalgia or is it the Young Avengers? So it's and maybe it's a bit of both. So we're we're in a really interesting space with this, and like the Fantastic Four, Pedro Pascal being rumored front runner for for reed richards like there's a lot of moving pieces here man and i think we're gonna start to get a lot more of that that at least a window into what the mcu is going to be in the coming weeks and months with the writer strike ending here so i'm i don't know like how are you feeling about the mcu it, right now like what, what's your what's your temperature level it's it's because like i'm someone who i'm i'm someone who really enjoys the movies mm-hmm. there hasn't really been anything that i haven't enjoyed yeah. like you know any kind of especially something like the mcu which has gone on for so long no no franchise has just been continuing the pumping out movies for such a long period of time you know there's there has to be certain dips in stuff like mm-hmm. you know we had the star original star wars movies and we had this huge break and then we had the, the prequels which a lot of people didn't like like the you know what's going on in the MCU is they're still giving us a lot of good, good movies, and I think yeah, the quality. If you're starting to compare these movies with stuff in the past, it's not hitting with everybody. Um, maybe there is some kind of fatigue there, but you know I think that's that has to be expected, and I think that's something that people are going to have to accept um, and understand that you know the they can't keep doing the same thing forever. Things are going to have to change. And, and, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I like, I just love discussing. I like thinking mm-hmm. about it. Too. I love it. You know, Pedro Pascal is not going to be. Reed you Richards. don't think so? He's my, he's my favorite to date. That's been, there's been like a ton of actors associated with this, but other than John, Krasinski, I kind of just want some new, I want new, I want new, I want some new freshish faces. Yeah. Like I just want to be that. like, I want to have some new new people just to to kind of grow to love. Well, and he's also um, like when I mentioned like Pedro Pascal's got to be what early forties. Well, this is the biggest problem. This is why I said he won't Mid-40s? be because he's too old. Yeah, like you, you know, I think he's not older getting, than that. Dude. You're not getting twenty. How old's Pedro Pascal? You're not getting twenty years out of him as as Reed Richards, and that's kind of I think what you want as some of these characters. You want them to be the future. Like how old is he? 48 so he's 48 but like by the time you get to secret wars and anything beyond that man he's too he's well into his 50s you know what i mean like yeah i mean he's as old as you know a lot of the guys who have left like chris Mm -hmm. evans or you know downey and stuff like he's in that same kind of age range so i i understand i like the idea i it'll just to me it just feels like they're kind of they're like oh we're losing viewers Mm -hmm we're losing our audiences let's get the the, sh- the guy who's surely going to bring people back you well, know everybody loves that's, Pascal. that's I, an interesting I, point because the original casting of the mc was not based off of character names right like hemsworth was a nobody evans had credits to his name downey was an unknown quantity at that point in time there's even Scarlett Johansson and Jeremy Red, like none of those original Avengers characters that became like household names, Chris Pratt and all this for, for guardians. Like they were known for some things, but they weren't how, like I would say Pedro Pascal is one of the bigger actors right now. But I think that's where, that's where I feel like they're at the stage where they're working towards this big event of, of secret wars. And it feels like they're, they're kind of rushing. They're panicking a little mm-hmm. bit. That's just how I feel, yeah, I feel like, that. you know, with the, in the past, they had how many phases to develop mm-hmm. over many years, these characters. And it just feels like at the moment they've kind of run out of time. Like they haven't invested enough time in singular characters mm-hmm. and developed those characters towards something. And I think that's something that we're missing at the moment. There are no real mcu characters that we all love like there's no one i'm really rooting for like yeah. all my favorites have gone and i hear you no now loki's gone yeah so it's like who <laughs> who are we left with 
So I think they just need to slow down the pace a little, bring in some new faces, some knowns, but not, you know, super mm-hmm. established actors and and build on something rather than than rushing towards another huge event just for the well, that's, for the sake that's of that's the catch in all of it because like as we just talked about like there's this like era of nostalgia that is that is dawning or has been upon us but like this this next wave of it's coming with the success of no way home and then now we're getting to deadpool which is going to be a massive nostalgia movie i think with hugh jackman of course and then there's on the flip side of it, it's like, well, you also have to think about like the far flung future. Like who is going to be the people holding this down when Jackman's 65 and Downey's aged way out of doing any sort of physicality in a role. And Evan, you know what I mean? Like these, these, these guys and girls and actors and actresses can't be around forever. And you, you have to reestablish. And yes, you've got a lot of young characters with the likes of, of the young Avengers and all that, that, that can build. But right now, none of them are going to hold an Avengers movie. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. Like a young Avengers movie would be interesting to explore. So, yeah, I think they, they need, they need to just bring Spider-Man in. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man needs to be at the front of everything, man. Just bring Tom Holland. Tom Holland needs, they just need to develop that character and have him run the show yeah. because Spider-Man sells. Everyone loves Tom Holland and, I think he's the the sure only really sure thing that's that exists within the Marvel universe at the moment. Yeah, and I you're probably right at this. He has enough legacy inside of the MCU, but also enough fanfare around him going forward with the success of the Spider-Verse movies. And something that we're going to talk about next week. I think we're we're going to hit the mic again next week, man. We're going to talk maybe about the Sony-verse because there's a trailer that came out, Madam Web. Oh, dude. Yes, okay. I, we'll, we'll get to that next week because I'm going to pull the plug in on this there. week. We're going to stick... With the, with the MCU episode, and we're gonna dive into Spider-Man and the Sony-verse. I think next week we're gonna we're gonna try to get back at it here because that's something that I'd like to explore with you in a bit more detail. But man, I think for now we're gonna have to leave it there with with Deadpool, X-Men, nostalgia, and the MCU. That was a lot of fun, man. I I love the the discussions that just go off the rails, and I think we got all the topics in we wanted this week, but we we found our way through them. Uh, via tangential conversations, which is my favorite. Yeah, my f- absolute. Favorite. I think I just had like a bunch of thoughts that have just been like whirling around my head for for like a month or so since the last record, and it's the, like the, the, I'm just blurting the, it out, but not, I don't even know what I'm saying. The, it's, it's all coherent <laughs> from my perspective. So, man, it's it's like always. It's it's so much fun doing these, and I hope you guys enjoy the ride. Him, Ian and I, we're just going to be an open book here. We we're talking a little bit before this. I'm really missing the the kind of the more weekly. You know, we've been trying something different. We have been trying doing other podcasts and doing other things, but I've been missing the weekly mic and the weekly drops of the Nerd Room. And so we're going to look at maybe increasing the frequency again because this I've, I've learned through this whole process that this is my original podcasting passion and I love it so much. We have such a good time talking about this stuff, and I, I want to I want to share more of that because I feel like we live in a world of negativity, and I think that, and we at least try here in the nerd room to, to bring the positivity and bring the fun and and bring a, a a certain look and perspective to these type of things. And I, I've been missing that a lot personally, and so I think we're going to try to increase the frequency again, but we'll see. No promises on this end. But Ian, it's a it's a it's a goal, man. Like that's it. The, it's the nerd room goal now. Let's make let's make X great again mix it it's uh <laughs> there's so much let's get those there. let's get some positivity on there yeah. let's stop complaining about everything all the time well no the the <laughs> motto that i try so my other podcast podcast experience is something i finish every episode with and this is a, something that i try a philosophy that i try to live my my life by personally and it's it's a simple sentence of leave it better than you found it that's my approach to everything or i try to you got that from Loki. No, that was that was, that was that was me. <laughs> I, I this is me, and I take it from something as simple as you go into your kitchen. It's a mess. You've got two kids. You just do not know what's going on, and you have no time for anything. But you go into that kitchen and you clean one dish. You put one plate away. You've left it better than you found it, and that's what he and I are trying to do here in the Nerd World. We're trying to leave it better by every episode. We're leaving it just a little bit better. This whole experience that we all have collectively in and around Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and of course, beyond that. So, Ian, my friend, 
I guess it's time to uh, to put a pin in it, and hopefully we'll be back next week. Yep. So with all of that being said, I'm gonna go wash some dishes. Yes, go make go make the world a little <laughs> bit of a better place. One less dish that's full of old food. So, anyways, with all that being said, for the nerd room, I'm Tim. I'm Ian. And thank you so much for entering the nerd room. This has been a nerd room podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at the NerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.